Thank you, Eric. Good morning. Well, I like that nice, loud, good morning. So, you know, you have some quiet churches and you have some noisy churches. So you must be the noisy service, right? Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord? Yes. I am so glad to be here, and so is my wife, Lynette. She's sitting right here, just in case you miss her because she's so little. I want to make sure you get to see her. Lynette and I really value the relationship that we have had with the chapel. And we thank God that we were able to come here. Some of you may know the history of our relationship of how it happened. Tsunami hit my country, and there was a guy from India in your church, and his name was um, Raj, yes. His name was Raj. Thank you for helping me. You can tell I'm getting old, right? And Raj was sitting in the service, and Pastor Bill was talking about what had happened, and he said, you know, I can't but want to do something, but I don't know how to do. And to make a long story short, he ended up at HBI. And when he came to build a relationship with us, the relationship extended beyond the tsunami into a partnership And today we are partners with the chapel, and we value that really very, very much because we not only value the prayers that you extend on our behalf and reach out and seek the Lord for us, but also our personal support comes from your church. But then we also have the potential and have had Pastor Jay come and minister alongside with us and others that have come during the time of Raj and um, uh, also after that with uh, Maria. But we were looking forward now for many, many more opportunities for many, many more of the folks at the chapel to come alongside with us so that we together can accomplish what we wouldn't be able to do by ourselves. Isn't that amazing? And God is looking at every single one of you And this morning, it's my hope that by the time we are done, each of us will say to the Lord, Lord, I don't want to warm a bench. I don't want to just come every week and become a religious guy. But Lord, I want to be part of your mission. I want to be part of what you're doing. Whether it's here at home, whether it is on a short-term trip, or whether it is in a long-time commitment, or whether it is actually partnering with the church to partner with missionaries around the world, I want to be involved. Amen? Amen. Amen. Because that's what this missions conference is about. We could do without a missions conference if we were not interested in going around and bringing the message that we understand about the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other name under heaven that man can be saved. Amen? Amen. If that is true, then we have to keep asking ourselves the question, how do we get this name, Jesus, to the peoples of the world? You know, I'd like to say that the message of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ is very exclusive. True or false? Oh, you're not sure. 
It's very exclusive. That word exclusive simply means there is no other option. Only in the name of Jesus, people will be saved, okay? It's exclusive. And we as a church of Jesus Christ believe that and know and understand that unless people turn to Jesus Christ, there is no salvation. Amen? Amen. Okay. But how do we take this exclusive message and make it inclusive? Because God says there is nobody who cannot enter the kingdom of God. For whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but would have everlasting life. True or false? So if that is going to happen, then we who are the messengers of this exclusive mission needs to get up and go out into all the world and preach the gospel to all the people so that all the peoples of the earth will one day stand up and worship God. Amen? Amen. You know, in the book of Revelation it says, and they gathered together and they were from every tribe and every kindred and every people group and every language. And they all worship Jesus Christ. And the truth is, it's going to happen. The question is, is I'm going to be part of that happening, or is it only those who go out as missionaries? And I believe that the responsibility of the Great Commission belongs to all of us. Amen? Oh, man. Some of you are frightened. <laughs> it all belongs to all of us, true? Okay, let, let's do an exercise. Americans like exercise, right? One, two, three, four, one, two. Right? All right. Because you like exercises, I will do an exercise. I'm going to ask you a first question. Who's the church? And you're going to go like this to the building, right? Now, what are you going to do? You're going to look at yourself, and you're going to say, I am the church. But then I'm going to ask you a second question. Whose responsibility is the Great Commission if it belongs to the church? And then you're going to look like this to Eric and say, right there. <laughs> because that's what you do, right? No, you're a different church. You all are involved in it, so you're going to say, it is my responsibility, okay? Now let's see if we can bring this roof down, all right? <laughs> it's been a long time since I got a roof down, but I think we can manage that. All right. Who's the church? All right. You can say we or I. It's okay, all right? It's inclusive as well as exclusive because you are the church and we are the church. And that's what makes it very, very exciting, all right? So who's the church? I'm the church. Whose responsibility is the Great Commission? My responsibility. Did I miss you guys? Let's try one more time, just for this family over here, okay? All righty. Let's get our fingers up. Who's the church? I'm the church. Whose responsibility is the Great Commission? My responsibility. And it's so important. I want us to understand that Lynette and I and the ministries of Hindustan Bible Institute are so thankful for your involvement with us because as we together work in the task of fulfilling the Great Commission, great things are happening around the world. And I want you all to know that, you know, Hindustan Bible Institute started in 1952, and we started, our passion was that every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, 
in India would have the opportunity to hear and understand the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so my dad would go all over the world, all over the nation, and he would preach. He was on the radio. He was in literature. He was on the side of the street. He was in crusades, and he was everywhere preaching the gospel. And the first 25 years of our ministry was focused on making sure the people of India heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then God brought a deep conviction in our heart because the Great Commission is not just about preaching the gospel. Amen? Amen. Yes, some of you are doubtful, but I'll explain, all right? And that's all right. Some of you believe it's all about preaching the gospel. But if you look at the text in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, there is only one imperative in that text, and that imperative is to go and make disciples of all pantata ethne. That would means every ethnic community in the world. And it's so important for us to understand that if we really want to get the Great Commission completed in our generation, we've got to be focused on the fact that we are making disciples because that is the imperative. The going is not the imperative. Preaching is not the imperative. Baptizing is not the imperative. But it's actually a participle that says, while you're going, while you're preaching, while you're baptizing, make disciples of all peoples of the earth. And that is a very, very important understanding. And so it's important for us to understand. And we came to that understanding slowly after almost 35 years of preaching the gospel in our country and bringing people to Jesus Christ. One day God said to me, Bobby, you know what, if you want me to really make a difference in your life and through your generation, I called your dad and I wanted him to do what he was doing. And he did exactly what I called him to do, and he was an obedient man. But you know, I want to take you to another level, and I want you to be involved in different things so that we can take the mission that God has for India to a new level, and I want you to be a part of that thing. And I said... Tell me, Lord. And he said, you know what? If you make disciples, if you make disciples, we will move from the process of addition to multiplication. And if you train one person and allow that one person to train and reach one person, and that person reaches, you'll go from 2 to 4 to 16 to so on and so forth, till before you know it, there would be a multiplication. And I said, sure, Lord, help me understand. And he said, you know what I want you to do? I want you to plant a 1,000 churches. And I said, a 1,000 churches? That's nothing. My dad used to say, we need 600,000 churches in this country. And I said, we should be able to handle that till I got home. And when I got home, and the people began to look at me, and they said, Webby, why did you come back? And I said, because God wanted me to come back. Okay, okay, okay. So they said to me, you're spiritualizing everything. And I said, so... What are you going to do? And I said, God put a vision in my heart to plant a thousand churches. And I said, in order for me to plant a thousand churches, God wants me to train and develop people. And they looked at me and he says, you know that Armadillo mission have been here for 200 years and we haven't planted a hundred churches and you're going to plant a thousand churches in 10 years? You're mad. You're crazy. You can't actually accomplish that you want to go back to that country that you came from. Go back to America. And I said, no, I'm not going back. 
But I used to fight with the Lord, and then one day the Lord said, Bobby, I want you to understand, you will plant no churches because that is my business. I will build my church. Hallelujah! And you know, it took the pressure off of me. And in 10 years, we didn't plant 1,000. We planted 1,157 churches. Isn't that amazing? Well, you can clap your hands for the Lord. But 35 years later, you know what God has done? He has helped us plant, train 1,200 church planters in India. These 1,200 church planters are in 24 states of India, and they are multiplying churches and developing church planting movements. And they have trained people inside their local churches as we train them to do. And you know what happened? They managed to plant 14,000 churches in 24 states. Isn't that wonderful? You can give the Lord a hand. Give him a hand. And in those churches, there are 850,000 people. So that would never have happened if I had said, no, I'm going to stay and train theologians and teach them how to do theology and keep them in the church and cause them. And God said, Bobby, you need a few of those. But what you need to do is really train this. And what he was doing was he was training me on the idea of how do you mobilize a church and plant a church. And then one day he came up to me and he said, Bobby, I want you to understand, you know what? This land is so big, we need 600,000 villages, we need 600,000 churches. And he said, Leonor, I, I, I really want to increase the number of churches I want you to build. I said, Lord, I know you want 600,000 churches, but I ain't going to do that. They laughed at me for 1,000. They'll think they ought to throw me into the mental hospital for 600,000. Find somebody else. And you know what the Lord said to me? No, you're wrong. I don't want 600,000. I want a million churches. I said, get somebody else, not me, Lord. And you know, I fought with the Lord, and the Lord wouldn't listen to me, and he kept fighting with me till I finally said, okay, Lord, we'll do 100,000 churches. Forget a million churches. And I went to a church, and I preached, and they gave me a big, you know, everybody gave me a big standing ovation. I thought, man, I said something significant because I said we need 100,000. And then one guy walked up to me and said, Bobby, India will not be reached with 100,000 churches. You need a church for every 1,000 people. You need a million churches by the year 2000. I said, you're crazy. But if you like the way your face looks, please go away. If you don't and you continue to talk, I think I can fix it for you. And so he actually had a great laugh. And he said, Bobby, I'll come and I'll help you. And you know what? He came back, and I hosted a consultation to mobilize churches in our country. And that became the third dynamic God began to do. He began to teach me I couldn't do it by myself, but with the whole body of Christ, with every pastor that is in the church, and every church that is under a pastor, and every member that is in the church of Jesus Christ, if they could be trained, they could be equipped, we can do an incredible job, and we can actually see multiple churches. You know, that was about 30 years ago that that happened. In 1987, when the research was done by Patrick Johnson, who actually wrote that book, you know, the prayer guide that people, missionaries pray through for the very unreached peoples of the world. In that book, it said in 1987, 114,000 churches were planted in India. You know what that means? 
It took 1,950 years to plant 114,000 churches. And then God said, mobilize my church. Mobilize prayer. Equip the saints. Train the pastor to enable his local church and target the unreached people groups in the regions where the church is. And you know what happened in our country? We saw the church grow from 114,000 churches. And in 30 years, we added 700,000 churches. And now we have over 800,000 churches in my country. Isn't that amazing? Church. Christ is building his church. Amen? Amen? We have an exclusive message. And that message is that if man could turn to Jesus Christ... Jesus can turn him, and he can be so transformed, and he can have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and the whole world will be worshiping Jesus from every tribe and every kindred and every people group because he is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the sovereign God, the God who actually came to this earth, incarnated, he dwelt among us, he took upon our form, he went to the cross, he suffered and he died, and when he died and went to the cross and he rose again, he brought redemption to mankind. Hallelujah! Oh, man, I did all of that for you to sit down quietly. Say that again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There you go. We have a Savior. We have a Redeemer. We have a Reconciler. We have a God that has brought us into a relationship with the eternal God. And it is important for us to understand that this is no secret. It needs to go to every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. And as we become part of what God is doing, we will begin to see this world reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus was walking through, through with, you know, he was walking one day and John the Baptist was talking to his disciples. And when he was talking to his disciples... He said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes it away the sins of the earth. And you know, John the Baptist has been discipling these people and talking to them about the coming of a Messiah. And when he stood up and said that, three of the people over there got up and they ran to Jesus. And they said, Are you the Messiah? And he said, Yes, I am. Are you the Son of God? He said, Yes, I am. And then he, they, he looked at them and he said, I know you have your own doubts. But if you want to verify those doubts, come and see. And so they started to follow Jesus Christ. And as they watched it, they began to see him do incredible things in the midst of them. And they began to call the rest of their brothers and families and friends and kins and said, we found the Messiah, come and join us. And when they had come to the conviction that Jesus was the Christ, you know what Jesus did? He walked up to them one day, and they were all working in their working place, and he said, guys, are you ready? You know that I'm the Messiah. Are you ready to follow me? So they moved him from come and see to follow me, and they dropped their nets, and for the next two and a half years, you know what they did? They went with Jesus everywhere, and the third stage of that process was be with me. And you know, when God calls us and he sets us aside and we come to know that he is the Messiah and we come to know that he is the Son of God, we know that he is the Savior of this world, we are willing to make those 
changes in our lives so that we can include God into what God wants us to join him in. And these guys traveled with Jesus, and he spoke to them, and every time he spoke to them, they asked him questions. And you know, if we really have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we'll be asking him 101 questions all the time. Amen? If you're not asking him questions, question your relationship. Think about it. And so he would ask questions, they would ask him questions, and he would say, that is not how it was in the beginning. When you read your Bible, and you read your Gospels, and you read through the book of Matthew, and you'll hear these words, Jesus saying, that is not how it was in the beginning. You know why? When he created us, we were in the image of God. We were made like him. We were without sin. We had never fallen. We had never fallen into the state that we are today. And we were not under the authority of Satan, but we were under the authority of God. And Jesus came, and he was establishing the kingdom of God. He released it to Adam and Eve. But we got messed up, didn't we? And when we got messed up, everything got changed around. And it no longer was as it was in the beginning. And all of a sudden, we began to see that what taking place was, instead of being under the authority of God, we came and the authority of Satan. And Satan controlled us. Satan ruled us. Our flesh ruled us. Our desires ruled us. Our world ruled us. Our society ruled us. Our, our, our peers ruled us. Our parents ruled us. Everything that we didn't want to happen began to take place. And before we knew it, the kingdom of God was not on earth. And that's why Jesus prayed and when he taught his disciples, did he pray? He prayed, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And church, if you want to understand it, what God is doing is trying to help us understand he is building the kingdom of God on earth through his church. Jesus was traveling with his disciples after they said, yes, we'll follow you. They moved all the way from Jerusalem, all the way up to the north over there, on the other side. And when they got there, he said, guys, I want to ask you a question. And he stopped down there, and they were having a you know, real discussion. And he said, tell me, what are people saying about me? You know, they said, they talk about you as John the Baptist, the spirit of John the Baptist, as a prophet from the Old Testament, Jeremiah, you know. And they talked about you as all kinds of things that are expected in the Old Testament. But then he looked at them and he said, it's easy for you to talk about me, how others perceive me. But I really am interested in, what do you say about me? Whom do you say that I am? And all of a sudden, there was a quietness. And church, I ask you that question. If Jesus was to ask you that question, whom do you say that I am? Would you have an answer for that Christian? In the stillness of that moment, Peter rose up and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. I want you to understand this because what he was saying is, you are the King of kings. You're the Lord of lords. You're the almighty God. You're the sovereign God who was spoken of in the Old Testament, 
We were waiting for you. John the Baptist was preparing the way for you to come. And now we see that you are that king. And what I want you to understand from that passage of scripture is that Jesus said to Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I want you to know, Peter, upon this rock, and not upon Peter, neither upon a rock, but upon the conviction, a foundation, that Jesus is the Christ. I am going to build a new community of building people, and they will be the kingdom people of God. And when you listen to the message of Jesus Christ, he always preached the kingdom of God is at hand. He preached, actually, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Because what had happened is we had all come under the kingdom of this world. We had all come under the kingdom of Satan. We had all come under the kingdom of ourselves. And we had lost the kingdom of God's perspective. And what God was trying to do is trying to help this group of people to understand that if the mission of God, if the mission of the Great Commission is going to become accomplished and we want to actually reveal the righteousness of God, I want you to understand it's going to be because we have become kingdom community where I am the king and you are my constituents. Hallelujah. And you know, it's so important as we begin to understand what Christ is doing with his church, is he's saying, I will build. Three things I want you to pick up from that text. I'm going to build a new community because it's in the future tense. He's not saying it in the present tense. He's not saying, I have a community. He's saying, I will build my assembly, church, kingdom community with those who confess that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God. And the third thing he says, that no power on earth or under the earth will be able to have power to inhibit the mission I'm going to carry out because I am going to see the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Hallelujah. Isn't that a wonderful message? That's what God is about. That's what God is doing. And that's what God is calling us to actually accomplish. So when we say, I am the church, and it is my responsibility to carry out the Great Commission, we need to put together that what God is wanting us to do is to come to that place in our life where we can say, without a doubt in our mind, I confess, God, that you are the... Son of God, and because you are the Redeemer, Savior, I'm going to be under your authority, and I'm going to accomplish your mission, and I'm going to join you in fulfilling your mission and establishing the kingdom community. And you know how he's calling us to do that? To make disciples of people. Of all the peoples of the earth, number one. Number two, he wants us to understand that this exclusive message needs to go to every geographical location. He said, when the power of the Holy Spirit is come upon you, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the outermost parts of the world. And what he's saying is, don't sit down and be quiet. Wherever I take you, proclaim my name. 
and ye shall be my witnesses. You know what that word witness means? You know when we go to court and a witness comes into a witness stand? What does he say? I promise to tell you the truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God. And he stands there and he proclaims, and all that God wants to say is, have I changed your life? Have I transformed it? I've made it new. Have I reconciled it? Have I brought you life that you didn't have? Have I done something for you that you can talk about? And if you can begin to explain that from one person to the next person, and that person begins to say, I want to know more, I want to know more, I want to know more. You know what? You'll be multiplying yourself, and before long, the two will become four, and the four will become eight, and the eight will become 16, and the 16 will become 32. And you know, we will be growing. And all of a sudden, the presence of God will begin to permeate the nation. And that's what's happening in our mission. What God told me was, Bobby, you can preach. You can conduct crusades. You can do all of these things. But you know what? If you can multiply churches. And during tsunami, we thought everything was going to be shut down. You know what happened? The people that came, our pastors that went to the villages, they would say, don't come, don't come, don't come. If you come, you'll bring the, you'll bring the virus to us. Don't come. Nobody has it. And the pastors would say to them, we won't come. But you know what? If you need somebody to talk to, you need somebody to pray with, please come. And they would come to his home. And they would share their sorrows. They would share their sadness. They would share all kinds of things to them. And you know, during that time, those people will come and these people will listen. They would hear. They would understand. And then they would say, we're really sorry, but can we pray with you? And they would pray with them. It becomes so comforting. And by the time they left, they would say, you know, we don't have much, but we'll give you what we have. Take it back to your family and feed your family. And they would give it. And those people would go, and they would become witnesses of what happened in that home. And when they shared it with the others, the other parts of that family would start coming. And you know what happened? During COVID, we planted over 2,000 churches. Isn't that amazing? Give the Lord a hand, guys. Just simply because God said... I will build my church. In one month, in one month, our pastor saw 476 churches planted. You know why? Because God is in a mission of establishing his presence everywhere. The question is, are you ready to be part of what God is doing? And are you willing to be part of what God is doing? And are you willing to go places where maybe you're not comfortable, but all that God wants to do is to take your life and allow you to be a witness for him. And when you begin to share your story, his story begins to become unfold. And when you participate in his story, his mission begins to be carried out. And I want you to think about that this morning. As you think about the fact that we have a mission that is so exclusive, that unless the message that is so exclusive that take, is taken unconditionally to the peoples of the world, it cannot become inclusive of all the peoples of the world. And what God wants is for us, his church, to take his responsibility and carry out his mission so every man, every woman, every boy, every girl will have the opportunity to know Christ and worship him 
Amen? Amen, Amen. Pastor.